And hello, sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley, and welcome to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. Don't forget, we drop episodes every Monday on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Folks, uh, I just want to take a moment and give a special thanks to everyone who participated in the Edinburgh Baseball Stadium, a 20th anniversary podcast series where I was able to bring in uh, voices who called games and former players who uh, played in that stadium. Uh, Special thanks to each and every single one of them. Thank you for making this little project a possible 20 years at at Edinburgh Baseball Stadium. Uh, Hasn't been an easy uh, thing to do, uh, but it certainly has changed the sports landscape in the Rio Grande Valley and turning it to what it is today. And I just wanted to give a special thanks. Also, um, it is the one-year anniversary of South Texas Border Sports Podcast. I'm also taking a moment to thank each and every single one of the guests who has appeared on the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for making the podcast what it is today. Uh, You, the listener, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, Without you guys, this would not be possible. Um, This podcast is to cover uh, sports stories in the Rio Grande Valley that you won't hear. Anywhere else, yes, you'll you'll see some of the stories in the Monitor and other uh, local media uh, outlets. But uh, with this podcast, since uh, local radio is kind of like a foregone thing, uh, that's what this podcast is for. But anyhow, uh, today I want to welcome in from the uncool urban covering the rgv vipers and now covering the dallas mavericks if if i am uh corrected i want to welcome in rashad miller rashad thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule i appreciate you uh, stopping by oh no problem no problem uh for the mavericks no i'm i'm covering them as just a fan I'm 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 just a spectator this year. Um, everybody keeps asking me, Shy, you love the Mavericks. Why not do them in the media sense? First off, I'm a season ticket holder, like I told you um a few months ago. So I, I love being a season ticket holder. I love being a part of uh like the focus groups and things like that to where I get to voice my opinion about the team on that level. But never say never. <laughs> that's uh that's something you gotta live by never say never so yeah but thanks for being another person to put that into the atmosphere so you never know next season might be the season but we'll see absolutely that thanks a lot for joining me uh let's get the show started you know you covered the real grand valley vipers uh this past season in the uh bubble environment in orlando uh, what were your overall thoughts on the season that they had this year, uh, considering everything that they had uh, going 
amongst the entire league where they played in the bubble format. Um, I was very impressed with the Vipers this season, um, especially just being a first um, first year correspondent um, for them, because um, like I told you guys before, I covered the Texas Legends, and probably the most incredible thing about the Legends, even though you know um, the pandemic shut them down. They were gaining momentum, especially with um, now he's a Phoenix son, Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne came into the organization and pretty much did a 180. He was no longer just Russell Westbrook's dancing partner, as some of the kids would come up to him and say. Um, he was like, I think he had a 40. Yeah, he had a 43 point game. Um, his first game, he was th like throwing the most insane dimes. So, you know, that was that season. But coming in first time and being with the Vipers and seeing how they made very, very smart trades that helped them get over the hump into even having um, a chance to defend their championship. So I was very impressed by that. Um, Coach Mahmoud Abdul Fattah, he, I told you guys before, he was not only talking basketball, he was talking life. So that really did speak to me. I, mean, I ended up falling in love with the franchise, but the overall gameplay, it was good seeing my guy, um, Josh Reese, who I met um, here in um, Dallas playing for you guys. Um, a lot of, you know, it was good seeing KJ Martin up close. It was good having, um, being able to see, oh my God, Kevin Porter Jr. Because um, he took some of that to Houston, some of that to Houston with him, and that was pretty impressive. But, yeah, Anthony Lamb, I'm glad he got called up. Um, my God, the three-point leader. What was his name? Um, and I told him this every single day, and I can't remember his name right now. Oh, man, I'm throwing a blank on that, too. Me, too. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Because if, like, for everyone listening right now, I know the bubble seemed like, oh, that wasn't even that long ago. For us, your sports are constantly coming towards you. That was a while ago. <laughs> a lot of things have happened since then. Um, but, yeah, he got called up as well. Very, very much um, deserved. So, yeah, like I said, the Vipers, like I said, it was just funny that an old rivalry between them and Santa Cruz kind of knocked them out. But other than that, they had nothing to hang their heads about because it was a very good season. And the fact that they turned everything's around, everything around to even be in a playoff contention was very impressive. Yeah. Ar Armani Brooks. Was, Armani Brooks. Thank you. Ar Armani Brooks was the guy you were referencing to as far as the, uh, the sharp shooting abilities that he had from beyond the arc. Um, one of the guys that I guess really stood out to me was Sean Osius. Uh, he was a sparingly used player uh, right before the pandemic struck. He was starting to turn, uh, starting to turn that corner, just uh, getting uh, extended play time. And then once the bubble format came around, it was like, okay, this is where he, he's got to show the Vipers, okay, this is where he's got to put up uh, some decent numbers 
an extended playing time. And boy, did he ended up surprising me uh, very well with his uh, performance. Uh, and he even had a, a, a couple of uh, caliber performances to where like, okay, I can see where the Vipers can hang on to him at least uh, one more season and see what they really do moving forward. But I guess the one accu- the one uh, acquisition that really, really stood out to me was uh, when they got um, not only did they use Ar- Armani Brooks as as their sharpshooter, but when they got the uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and then and then cor- correct me if. If I am uh, wrong with uh, with this name, Dewan Hernandez, uh, he yes. was a, he Dewan was Dewan Hernandez came in, um, literally came in probably what was that the last couple the, games of the regular season exactly, and he kind of gave him that that inside presence that the team was missing to kind of like to finish off that uh, that playoff run because now, with um, oh I'm sorry I'm sorry. Uh, um, but yeah, that was one of the main things I had said um, during like post games and just interviews overall. I was saying the only thing they were really missing was that length, someone to clog the paint. And when they got him, he came in and showed out, and that and that was very cool because I was just like, if you guys just had somebody who was a little bit taller, <laughs> you'd win a lot of games. And yeah, yeah, like I said, it was that was a very good pickup again. Their front office is very, very smart. I'm sorry, but continue. No, 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 that's fine. I mean, and, and I do agree that the front office did uh, did a lot of their homework there in the bubble, just finding guys that weren't having the opportunities to say, hey, uh, we can use you here and and let's see what, and let's see where we can take this show. Um, but I I, I do want to ask, you know, uh, do you kind of see the G League? coming back to play uh soon rather than later uh to their standard arena of place like say for example vipers have games at bird ogden arena the legends come back and host games there in frisco um austin hosting games in austin do you kind of see the g league returning back to a to a normal uh to some sort of a of, of a normal uh, schedule, or do you kind of still see them operating the bubble method? Honestly, if the um, the bigger league, the brother league, NBA has done it. I believe the sister league, the WNBA is doing it. I believe the little brother league is definitely going to see us fans and us as media back in the arenas come November. Um, because I really think how the league overall, the again, the NBA has been um, doing this. Um, I'll give you an example. I was just in Los Angeles for the Clippers-Mavericks game, game five. And I like how the Staples Center did it. Um, if you were vaccinated, you had a vaccinated section. If you weren't vaccinated, you sat in another section and there was no gathering, everything was cashless um, and so on and so forth. So I believe that the league is taking a very smart approach to this. And of course they all work 
in um like in conference with each other to the point I think that the G League is already coming up with a way to have us as media and fans back in the arenas. And I already told you, I'm ready to uh, see you guys in South Texas. I'm already ready to make that trip for a few games so I can meet all of you guys in person because it was very cool to see all you guys virtually. But I want to shake some hands. I want to be able to share a few laughs, you know, a little insides and so on and so forth. So I'm very optimistic that how the rest of the, how the other two leagues are approaching this, um, the COVID-19 um, pandemic that the G League is going to follow suit. Same here, you know, uh, sometimes I'll play the dual function, whether I'm either operating scoreboard or shot clock, and then po uh, post game, I go interview coach my mood, if possible, if, if and when the G League decides to return to st to standard play, I'll be more than happy to uh, share meals, share some laughters, uh, post game, and 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 just have the same old camaraderie coming back. But uh, in the last topic that I want to touch upon in the G League, what do you make of Mexico City joining the league? That was something I literally probably heard about. Mm approximately 36 hours ago <laughs> I, like i'm like i'm being serious I, I probably saw it on my way to la and i thought i was tripping i was like what but at the end of the day the nba is a part of the g league is part of the nba and the whole thing that the nba wants to do is extend um we've had um i believe his name was gustavo ayon he played um, in the NBA. He's, um, I believe he was Mexican born or Mexican descent. Yes. I believe he played for the Spurs, right? Yeah, he's he played for multiple teams in, in the NBA. He, he kind of bounced around the, uh, for a little bit, but I, I, I don't recall him being a, a spur, but I do recall him being in the league. Uh, for, and hold he on, did bounce. Just, he, hold on, just because I know but I another name uh, on the silver. <laughs> in black but yeah like um they're but, trying to expand like they already have the oh go ahead the the one name that you can reference that he's done the g league to nba to nba thing is juan toscano anderson of of the santa cruz warriors and uh and the golden state warriors as well he's the one guy bring you, him up that's the one guy you can truly reference as far as having uh mexican heritage and trying to expand the, the game internationally when it comes to the G League and the NBA itself. Oh, I'm sorry. He, yeah, you were right. He was not in. Unfortunately, never played for South Texas, but he was on the Hornets, the Magic, the Bucks, and the Hawks in the NBA. But yeah, like those two guys. Um, I believe Devin Booker, um, is of Mexican <laughs> descent. I believe on his mom's side. I think they said. Um, so, yeah, you've always had, um, you know, saying Mexican, Mexican-Americans or mixed um, Mexicans in the league. And it was just a matter of time because I know a lot of people come here from Mexico. Um, a lot of my Latinx and Hispanic friends, they're big fans of the NBA. So it was just a matter of time they went uh, to the southern North America because we're already – in northern North America with Canada, there there were two teams there. Now there's still the Toronto Raptors who were 
the champions a couple seasons ago. So it was just a matter of time for the Mexico City to put their bid in to be a part of this in some capacity. Um, it's great because another thing I was going to say was they're already trying to build more in Mexico with the BAL um, that's going on. Um, I, I can already see this is just being the first step of Mexico being a part of basketball um, in terms of maybe they have like the NBA puts a Mexican league down there and stuff like that. So, like I said, this is a great first step, um, just having a G League team in Mexico. You know, for me, for the uh, for the inclusion of Mexico City, I like the idea on paper. Uh, sadly, it just couldn't come to fruit this past season with uh, having such, uh, with such a, a bubble for, uh, format and truncated schedule as – uh, we're not used to seeing as fans and, and media, but I do want to ask you, what do you make of the G League Ignite uh, team that the G League is um, trying to lure a lot of the high school or a lot of the high school graduates to, jo to join the G League at, su at such a young age and potentially making them NBA prospects? On a biased note, I've always been against the NCAA using those kids and those kids not getting paid. I mean, the full-ride scholarship is nice, but the mm -hmm. fact that they make almost billions of dollars off those young men has always been something I never liked. Um, so I like the G League Ignite um, because not only it's, it's not only about basketball and teaching them the game. It's about financial literacy, how to handle themselves in the media, and so on and so forth like that. So, again... It's great. I also have been liking that um, these young men have been considering going to HBCUs. <laughs> I just like that these young men are starting to think more because at the end of the day, um, a, lot, a lot of people don't like how LeBron does things and things like that. But he already has the mindset that a lot of these young men are facing, and that is this. You're not only a basketball player. You're part of a business. You are a business. You're a brand. So the fact that the NBA is now saying, hey, if this is what you want to do with the rest of your life, we're going to show you how to do it the right way. So that's how I feel about the Ignite. But basketball-wise, those first few games, I really thought uh, Jalen Green and company were going to clean up and just take home the championship. <laughs> they looked so incredible. But, you know, as we know, that didn't happen. But it was it's a great um, ex not experiment. It's a great program, I believe. Because, again, it's not just about the game. They're teaching them how to handle themselves outside of the game as well. Absolutely. And, you know, that was one of the things that I kind of saw, like, when they played the Vipers at, towards their tail end of the schedule. I'm like, man, why didn't we get a crack at these guys early on? Like, we, I, I want to see, see the Vipers play this team twice, you know. I want to see how they look early on, and I want to see how they uh, adjust and transition to the scheduling later on, you know, where you just have a, a handful of veterans and a bunch of young kids to kind of like season them and develop them and, and give them that early shot at what NBA life is all about. But uh, transitioning now to the real fun stuff about the NBA playoffs. Here we first, go. 
Personally, I am I am also a Mavs fan working in Rockets slash Spurs territory, you know, and uh, once and I will tell you this, you know, being a Mavericks fan isn't easy being down here. It's not easy being a Mavericks fan down here, but well, you're I, in the trenches. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're, I mean, because when Dirk was still playing, when Dirk and Timmy were still playing. Yep. To say you were a Mavericks fan in San Antonio was the worst thing ever. Because let me let me give you a little inside. Okay. My I'm a I'm a Mavs City ticket holder now, right? Okay. My great aunts, they're no longer with us, but guess what? Okay. They were Spurs season ticket holders. Oh, oh. And let me tell you what they used to do to, to me as a kid. They would buy me Spurs jerseys, Spurs shirts. Oh. Oh baby, guess what? The Spurs going to the fi- going to the finals again. I'm a kid, and they were trying to like convert me to the Spurs, and I was just like, no, the Mavs are trash, but I'm gonna stick by them because <laughs> something's <laughs> gonna turn around. And that's how, I, and I just believed in them so much, but they just looked at me like we're winning over here. You you don't want a piece of this? Nope. And like I said, 1998 came, and the rest is history. <laughs> you know, I always. I always tease Spurs fans, you know, you know, that champ, that first championship you got, that's a half a championship because you guys only played half a season. There it is. Only played 50 games. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And they're all like, oh, come on. And then the night when the Mavericks won their first championship, uh, I threw out a a Facebook tweet that literally just I, I riled up all the Spurs nations. Hey, Spurs fans, at least we know what it is to win an entire championship for for our first time in our franchise history. Unlike there you guys, unlike you guys, you guys won a half a championship and beat and beat up a depleted a Patrick Ewing squad. There it is. And another thing about that, too, that Spurs, Spurs fans are so fickle because they act like they went from George Gervin to just winning. And I'm like, you guys realize you weren't the best team in the league for a while. You literally, the reason you got Tim Duncan is because you guys were horrible the seasons before and you got, <laughs> you got him in the draft. I said, let's not act like you guys always won. That's the thing about Mavericks fans that we can say, hey, we weren't always perfect. There was no Luka Doncic back in like when I was a fan back in 94, we had Jason Kidd, um, Jim Jackson, and Jamal Mashburn. We thought Triple J Ranch was going to take us all the way to the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go through there. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I could, go, I could go through the history. And every time someone complains about the Mavs, maybe having an off game, I'm like, you weren't me as a kid. Let me tell exactly. you. Exactly. When it was bad, it was bad. It was bad. bad. <laughs> Yeah, to the point where they had to blow up the the 3J Ranch and, you know, they had to, like, start over and try to get uh, some point guard from Santa Clara and some center from Germany, and the rest of the story writes itself somewhere along the way. Like I said, I don't know those guys. I may have heard of them before. (laughs) (laughs) I may have heard of them. I may have a picture with one of them that that's probably like my profile picture on something. <laughs> it's a very, very nice, tall gentleman. Wish he still played. I'd give him my foot if I could. 
But um, <laughs> back to that. Well, back to the Mavericks. Um, man, the thing about them is, I kind of hate that it's really dependent on Luca. If Luca's hot, they're winning, no doubt about it. Um, the other adjustment they made in Game Five, which is something I've been saying they should have done the whole season. I don't know how long he could have went as the official center, like the starting center, but Boban, Oyanovic, he started. I was like, the guy's seven three seven four. Like, you've seen it. They literally make, if the guy, if the ball is stuck at the top of the goal, they make him go get it. <laughs> That's how tall he is. They're like, hey, Bobby, you're the only guy who can reach up there. Can you go get that ball? And he, like, takes the little thing and he grabs it and he gives it back. And I'm like, that should be the center. Yeah, he's not the fastest, but he, he has youth on his side. I know Bobon may look a little older, but I'm like, I believe the man is only, like, what, 26? 26, 27, yes, correct. Yeah, so I'm looking at everybody like, yeah, that's a move they should have made, especially since the Clippers have been playing small. Like, let me tell you how, um, if you didn't see the game, or for those who didn't see the game, um, near the end, when Boban was getting easy tip-ins and he was clogging the paint, they started fouling him as a group. <laughs> so basically, every time he went up, there was three or four guys waiting on him to try to stop him. So, again, that strategy worked. So I didn't understand that. But, yeah, um, a lot of things have been going around. Like, I believe um, Luca had nerve damage in his neck. Um, they were saying he may have not played in four and five. Like, that's why he was having trouble in four, which I still – I'm still a big believer, and I'm going to say this about another player. Um, if you're hurt, if you can't go – Don't sit, go. Rest. Don't go. You can't go, you can't go. It's, it's just, I'd rather you have a long career than you trying to fight for a playoff spot that you may or may not even get. Um, that, you know, you may not go deep. And now you're here with this lingering injury. And you have to play maybe, it's shortened your career by a few years. Like, I, that, that's never made sense to me. Um, a la Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis came back against the Mavericks here in Dallas. And the way he played, I said, he's not 100%. How he's played in that, uh, this uh, Sun Series, he was not 100%. They should have rested him more. LeBron, of course, that man's, a, uh, that man's like a scientific freak. Of course, all it took was a little rest, maybe an aspirin or two, and he was good <laughs> after a few weeks. But not every player is built like that. Yeah. And Anthony Davis was definitely an example of that. But back to the Mavericks – yeah, the fact that we have made it thus this far in the playoffs is a miracle because how depleted they looked near the end of the season had me shook. I said, are we, are we playoff ready? Because when I say I believe something happened to Luca's foot because he kept taking off – I was sitting right there behind the bench. He kept taking off his shoe. He was, like, mad. He was frustrated which is very easy for him. They, it's easy to get in his head, but he's a young guy. So, of course, he's got all that testosterone and stuff like that. He's, so that's how he is. But, yeah, he just looked exhausted. Um, they lost to a, a starless Raptors team. 
Yeah. Malachi Flint. Like, basically, the Raptors 905 played that game. Like, Malachi Flynn and people like that. <laughs> so I was sitting there like, these are the same guys I could see barely cut it in the G League bubble. They are tearing the Mavericks apart. And Luka is playing. This makes no sense. But yeah, he was acting on the bench. I was like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's tired. He needs some rest. Um, but he's impressed so far. In the bubble, the last game he had 44 and 12. Um, a lot of I'm gonna say it here on this podcast. The reason that he said he could have done better is because honestly, there were a, a few give me shots that he missed. I really thought Luca was gonna have at least 50-60. There's a few layups, but I can still tell that his neck and his shoulder was still bothering him. Cause some of his shots that he normally just m- make it look effortless were kind of stiff. So I was like, yeah, he may be a good 80, 90%, but he's not, he's definitely not a hundred. That's why he still has the, uh, the KY tape on his shoulders and neck. So like, uh, yeah, <laughs> but overall, um, there is one guy that I'm really looking like, I know this is your first playoff, but can you please stop playing like it's your first playoff? <laughs> and we all know who that is. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about the guy, but again, 158 million, two games, eight points. Oh. You've had two games where you've made eight points. You're supposed to be the guy next to the guy. What's up with that? i'm trying not to go i don't like saying his name because i love the guy i'm a big fan i always have been ever since he played for the team that i thought was going to shock the world but they ended up coming up short to the hawks um for people who pay attention to basketball you know who that is yeah (laughs) so you know to see him just flounder here is kind of is very very disappointing you know I, I'm just th- thinking back at that trade when the Mavericks uh, pulled uh, that off. I-, I am still under the impression that nobody wanted that deal. Nobody did. Y- yeah, you can say KP, uh, THJ, and all this stuff. I-, I just feel like that trade was a lose-lose for both sides, in my opinion, because I I really could have felt like that 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 original point guard D, uh, DSJ DSJ could have uh, made it work, you know. I mean, that that's just me being me. But I, I will ask: Has this season's Mavericks team uh, overachieved or underachieved? Regardless, regardless of. Regardless of series result, whether they advance or not, have they underachieved or overachieved? I believe they overachieved. The fact that we're in the playoffs was overachieving. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. <laughs> That's as simple as, as simple as that. Because again, when you look at the last two games of the season and they took those losses, and look at the teams that they lost to. 
they weren't very good teams that they lost to, but yet they lost. Okay. Um, don't let the record you – know, the record was okay. I like that we were over 500. Um, that's always a good – that's always a good time. But at the beginning of the season, again, they were struggling. That's usually how the Mavericks have been for the past few years. They just sputter out the gate and pick up momentum midseason. That's just that's just how it goes. I never get – we could lose like four or five in a row. And I won't get shook. I'll just be sitting there like, oh, I'm like, they'll bounce back. And they usually do. Um, that's probably one year that um, happened. And that was when we went 500 even um, and didn't make the playoffs. But other than that, yeah, they overachieved because th- the fact that they're in playoff contention is re- is like absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I, it's, I, it's, it's like, and another thing with the trade, I've always had those. You you said one of them. Okay. The second thing is, it's crazy that Tim Hardaway Jr. is the guy from that trade. <laughs> yeah. The man that they really wanted isn't playing as well as the other guy they took. That is crazy to me. But with Dennis Smith Jr., I um, I've said this um in private, but I'll say this on your podcast is I always believe Rick Carlisle just had stars in his eyes when it came to Luca playing so well that he did not realize that the same thing that they are, they're telling Luca every day is the same thing they told that young man. It's the same thing you told him that this was his team. So what did you do when you got Luca? You made it his team, you made Luca's team. And you left him out in the corner because the thing, the athleticism that Luca lacks, not saying he's not that athletic, he's way more athletic than uh, my, my guy, 41 was <laughs> <laughs> near the end, near the tail end, near the middle of the tail end. Um, but what he, what the skills that Luca lacked, Dennis Smith Jr. had. And the things that Dennis Smith Jr. lacked, Luca has. So the thing that they could have done is made them a one two combo in that backcourt. That's what I was thinking they were going to do. They were going to move Luca. Luca is a natural one. Mm-hmm. I understand, but Luca, if you can make him, but Luca could have been a two, and all Dennis had to do was get that man that ball, and then Luca could and him could just rotate, boom, lob it up to Dennis, give us those spectacular dunks. Dennis eventually working on his shot and things like that. Now I always hear things about maturity. Dennis Smith didn't have this. Dennis Smith didn't have that. But again. If they tell you in that room, hey, you're the guy. You see this tall German fellow here? He's going to retire soon. So after that, we need you to step up and be the future of this franchise. He was all in on that. You saw his rookie year. If he hadn't um, sat out a few games and stuff like that, probably would have won rookie of the year. (laughs) Dennis Smith Jr. was very impressive. The dunks, he was looked like he was working on a shot to the point. He was making a few of the shots that looked kind of questionable. <laughs> so he was looking very impressive. But at the end of the day, it just that somebody looked at him and just said, nah, we got this guy. Much as I love Luca, Luca, they say Luca needs help. Luca had help. They traded him. <laughs> uh, I will ask you this though. 
regardless of how the season ends, you know, there was at one point where I was asking, okay, is this kind of the end of the road for Rick Carlisle, despite some of the negative seasons that he's had? And I can kind of sense that some of the Dallas fan base is kind of getting on that boat, regardless of playoff results, because of the way. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not kind of. They want his head. Well let, me, well, let me well, let me finish. <laughs> let, let me finish. Um, is there is there a certain section of the fan base that wants Carlisle out despite the finish that they may have this season? Yeah, like I said, they won his head. It's um almost unanimous, but the thing is. That's sickingly true. Rick Carlisle is one of the best coaches in the NBA. He just is. He knows his X's and O's. But the thing is, I think he gets kind of arrogant with that thought process. That's the only, that's my only real problem with that. Like he's like, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna get better than me? Because again, there's a one, there's one thing that he does that irritates all of us as Mavs fans, especially here. When a guy is hot, he takes him out. He does not, he does not, he has something against heat checks. I don't know what it is. Uh, (laughs) But like Luca and I believe it was game three. Luca went unconscious for like eight points and took him out. And Rick Carlo took him out. The man was starting off strong. Probably would have won that game if we saw how far that he, um, if he let him like get that heat check. Probably would have seen how far they were. Probably would have busted twenty. It probably would have been twenty zip, and then sit him down. You know, but we'll never know. But yeah, things like that are just some of the things that Mavs fans in particular are kind of fed up with. Um, I jokingly said this a few days ago. If Rick Carlisle wasn't the coach, Ryan Brokoff would still have a job with the Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, and you know why I say that. Ryan Brokoff would come off the bench, score three unconscious threes in a row, and Carlisle would sit him the rest of the game. I said, that man is a sharpshooter. And you said, uh-uh. Nah, you gotta sit. Cool off, buddy. I said, like, what? <laughs> Why would you do that? Like he was putting you ahead and he's just like, nah. So yeah, it's just things like that. Um, another thing is I just don't think, and I've I've said this for years, he's just not a good developer of young talent. If you don't already have it, there's nothing he could really do with you. Like if he has if he has to put his hands on it, nah. Get him out of here. I need somebody who knows what they're doing. And I think that plug-and-play offense slash overall defense, um, overall play, that's not a good thing, especially when you have a young talent like Luka. Like, basically, you're going to put a ceiling on that. You're basically saying, well, I can't teach you any more than you already know. It's not my job. (laughs) So, yeah, it's – for me personally, as much as I love the guy as a coach, um, 
we need somebody who knows what they're doing with young talent. Um, I like Jamal Mosley. Um, DA gets along with the fellas. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying he should be a head coach, but <laughs> but yeah, it's just like you have the other assistant coaches that more understand the young guys than Rick Carlisle himself. And that's kind of where the trouble lies with that. Last question, and I'll let you go, Rashad. Thanks for taking some time. But I will ask you this. Have the Mavericks underutilized their G League uh, affiliate? Have they underutilized it? 100%. Back to what I said about um, Rick Carlisle. He doesn't know how to develop the youth. You see, um, basically, um, Nate Hinton, that's, that's like my go-to of an example. He was in Santa Cruz, I believe, his first couple of games, he had a double-double. Mm-hmm. Does not see minutes unless it's garbage time for the Mavericks. Josh Green, he gets to play sometimes, yes. But he was impressive for the Stars. Tyrell Terry, I wish I knew the personal things that happened to him. Um, that's inside information that I don't have. But he was very good for the Memphis Hustle. I look at that and I'm like, Coach, play these kids. Look at the tapes. They're really, really good. The Mavs actually drafted pretty well. These young men can help. but. Again, you have to be that type of coach to take those chances. You just have to. But I really, but um, if you want to go to how they treat the legends programs slash team, I've always said they underutilize that because it's a lot of young men that come through there. If you're not on a two-way, you're probably not going to be called up to the Mavericks. You'll be called up somewhere else. Um, but you won't be called up to Dallas. Um, the best one that they've had thus far, and you'll probably agree on this one, the last legend that was really, really impressive, especially in the G League, was Moses Brown. Moses Brown played for the legends this, literally the season of the pandemic, and then it ended. But he was there on assignment from Portland. Now, in Portland, he barely got to play. But when he went, when he was here, he was impressive. I'm thinking, hey, the mask can maybe steal this young man away. He was, <laughs> shoot, let me be truthful. Moses Brown, probably the only reason I watched the Bruins that season, he was still in school. Because um, he was, like I said, um, you remember the, the viral video of like him having his head down and his teammate put his head up. After that, I was like, oh, let me check this, Bru- this Bruins team. So I checked him out for that, but um, back to the legends. Young man was impressive. He could clog the lane, tall, lanky, could get the ball. Okay, Portland doesn't want him. Before I know it, they say he's on the OKC Blue. He comes to the bubble, impressive. And the whole time I'm sitting there excited because I'm like, I've seen this guy play. I knew he could do this. But Dallas, I guess, didn't know he could do this. (laughs) and then he went to the he got called up to the thunder and he beat us he beat the mavericks 
Moses Brown, they was and everybody on my timeline was like, who is Moses Brown? And I said, he was played for the legends. They said, no, he didn't. Like, yeah, he did. <laughs> and I was like, he was with he was on assignment for Portland. Mavericks must have said, mm, we don't want him. So yeah, they is like I said, I really wish young men not named Luka Doncic got a chance to excel in the Mavericks program. I really do. Starting with the G League affiliate. Hey, for any legends people listening, please have me back in November. I'm sorry for this. I'm just being honest. <laughs> These kids, because I have seen some very impressive young men. The only, the another success story, again, is Cameron Payne. I'm looking at the Mavericks. Why didn't you try to get Cameron Payne? He was incredible in Frisco. He only played probably uh, a handful of games. But every time he hit that court, he was passing dimes, shooting impossible shots, um, great energy. Now he's doing that in Phoenix. Now they're in the second round. And we're hoping that tonight, um, Friday, um, June 4th, that we can do the same thing. Rashad Miller, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the efforts. Uh, why don't you just give us a little social media plug uh, here where people can find your work at? Um, YouTube, The Uncle Urban. Um, I still have I have all my G League videos on there. Um, you want to shoot the crap with me? Um, Shad Miller 13 on Twitter. Um, any developing developing things, the Uncle Urban on all social media. I'm also I'm part of a podcast. We don't. My co-host tries to get me to talk sports. I try to keep it to a minimum. But if you like other things like pop culture, music, and things like that, um, check me out on IG. Shad S H A D versus V S Smiles S M I L E Z. Um. Again, you also have, like I said, I'm everywhere. Uh, like, it's funny. You can pull up the Uncle Urban on Google and either my podcast or myself will pop up. So definitely um, do that as well. The site is still in development. I promise you I'm going to start blogging more because I have a lot more to say, <laughs> especially like when it comes to things like how the Mavericks are handling things. <laughs> so look out for that. But yeah, um, I appreciate everybody listening. Um, I appreciate Ray for having me on because I always tell him, hey, I can't wait for November to see um, to see him. Because it's always, it, it, the fact that you're a mass fan in enemy territory is always going to be cool to me. So when I come up there, I might bring you some math stuff from the, I might bring you a yearbook or something from this season or something like that. I got you. I appreciate that. Many, many thanks to Rashad Miller of the Uncool Urban. Thanks so much. Hello, sports fans. Thanks for listening to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Silva. Be tuned next week for another great episode 
as we drop podcasts every Monday here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast can also be found via Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.